0: Good morning, I'm Jeff. I'm one of the pastors. I'm excited to be in the Word with you today. Um, starting a new series today, which is I'm really excited about. And uh, this, this new, uh, welcome to our new series, uh, Spiritus Sanctus. Anybody know what that means? The Holy Spirit. Don't you like it? It's Latin. It sounds so churchy. I like it, it sounds fancy and mysterious and churchy and intense. And Linda and I were uh, able to get to Europe for our 30th anniversary and we get into all the cathedrals where the stained glasses and the arches and the lighting and this stuff, it's just so cool. We happened to be in, in, uh, in Paris on, uh, on a Sunday night, went to Notre Dame, got to go to mass and got to listen to them sing in Latin and the voices echoing of the choir, right? Super cool, I don't know anything that was going on, but it was awesome. But this feels super churchy, this Spiritus Sanctus. And the reason we did that, the reason we called it that and went with the Latin and made it sound all churchy is because, yes, that's who we are, friends. We're the church. We're the church. And it is as intense and mysterious and glorious as this sort of idea of stained glass and Latin gives off, that we are the place where God actually dwells. God is in our midst in this place, and He's in our midst as His individual followers. We're a people. We're a spiritual people. We have God among us in the person of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to spend the next seven weeks or something like that, and we're going to talk theology, and we're going to talk practicum, and we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit being in our lives and in our church. And so this is our, our series, Spiritus Sanctus. I like it. Now, my title today is An Introduction to the Holy Spirit, An Introduction to the Holy Spirit. It's an introduction. It's an introduction in a sense because it's sort of a, a 101. It's sort of the beginning, like, okay, let me give you an introduction to the Holy Spirit. We're starting there because we understand that not everybody here has sort of come through a church experience where they've grown up, they've learned stuff, they've kind of put it all together. It's a little bit like, you know, touching the edges of the elephant. You're like, I'm putting things together. I'm kind of understanding. I've heard of the Holy Spirit. But give me a basic understanding of this thing. We also recognize that those that you have been here for a very long time feel like you probably should know more and you're embarrassed that you don't. And so we're going to go ahead and give you some 101. one. That, that, that's how that works. So that's sort of an introduction. But it's not only titling it this morning an introduction to the Holy Spirit because it's a, like a, a 101, one, but because it's an introduction, because I hope that I'm going to introduce some of you to the Holy Spirit. That we're going to have a meeting of the Holy Spirit. That some of you are going to be like, Juan, it's Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Juan. I'm going to introduce you to the Holy Spirit. We want sort of this sort of a, uh, an understanding that at the very beginning of talking about the Holy Spirit, that friends, we have the opportunity to encounter and to be in a relationship, to be engaged with God himself through the Holy Spirit. We're going to meet the Holy Spirit. So that's the play on words introduction there. So uh, let's jump right into it. I'm gonna, I am going to blaze us through. I hope if you're a note taker that you'll be ready to go because I'm going to give you a whole bunch of verses that you'll be able to write down and maybe go back and study and look at some uh, things afterward. I was super, super impressed that I jumped in my daughter's car, traded cars as she was uh, and her husband were moving this week. And um, I found notes from last week's uh, sermon in the center console. And I'm like, well done, Anna. And she said, no, no. Casey, my husband, took notes at church, and um, I knew you were right for my daughter from the very minute you took notes in one of my sermons. Good job. Did you put it out for me just to find? We want to ask a couple of things Do we do an introduction. The first thing we just want to ask, of course, is who is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? And you cannot get away from asking that question without talking about the Trinity because, because part of the starting of the answer is the Holy Spirit is one person of a triune God. One person of the triune God. The Trinity. The Trinity. I cannot tell you how long you could study the concept of the Trinity and still not totally get it. This is a difficult thing, this idea of the Trinity. And here's what it's about. Some of you are like, okay, I kind of get the Trinity. Like, talk, bring it to me. Friends, within the one being, that is God, within the one being, God, there exists three, simultaneously there exists, three co-equal, co-eternal, distinct persons. Within the one God, There exists three distinct persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Now, any analogy we try to use, and you've heard analogies, right? It's like water, ice, and steam, and it's like an egg. It's the shell and the yolk. It's like a family. It's the Father and the Son. Friends, there's no analogy that will help you. In fact, at the end of all good theology on the Holy Spirit, I mean, sorry, on the Trinity, at the end of all good theology on the Trinity, they'll say something like, there's no true-to-life metaphor that accurately portrays what we're dealing with here. It is a mystery of God that we just start to get our heads around by understanding the concepts, but we don't really understand totally how it is that that came to be. But one God, the scripture is crystal clear about it. Three distinct persons, scripture is crystal clear about it. And those persons operate independently, sorry, I do not independently, distinctly, Right? And can interact with one another, can love one another, can communicate with one another, and interact with us. That's the Trinity. Look at one of the scriptures that just sort of paints the picture that all three uh, uh, persons of the Trinity are at work. Uh, Matthew 3 it happened to be G- uh, Jesus's. A baptism. As soon as Jesus was baptized, is, of course, the son, he went out of the water. He went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven opened up and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. There's the spirit of God. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son. That's the father, whom I love. With him, I'm well Please. You see the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit all in that moment in Jesus' life, present and active. And if you go through the scriptures, you can actually find many, many, many scriptures where all three of the persons of the Trinity are active. So the Holy Spirit is a member of the Trinity. Here's a diagram that might be helpful for you. I'm not sure. It's, uh, it's, uh, it, it, maybe it's more complicated than it needs to be. The Father is not the Son, but the Father is God. The Son the, the, is not the Father, the Son's not the Holy Spirit. They're distinct persons, but they're God, and they have the full essence of God. Each are truly God. Each possess the full divine essence, and together they're one. And yet they're not like one-third God each. They're all fully God, and yet they're together God. Everybody got it? Everybody like, okay. Okay. But that's who the Holy Spirit is. Now, the implications of this are probably coming clear for you even right now. They're pretty profound because the question is then, do we worship and engage with God, the Holy Spirit, the same way that we would worship and engage with the Heavenly Father and with the Son, Jesus, our Savior? And this has been a difficulty for some people to get their heads around because of the Spirit and because uh, the Spirit isn't as as, uh, person-like the way we think of a person the way we would a father or a son. And so we have to ask ourselves, am I engaging with God, fully God, the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, and not just the creator, lover of my soul father, the savior Jesus who went to the cross? Am I, in fact, worshiping the indwelling presence of God? See, because that's the second thing I want to say about who the Holy Spirit is, is. The Holy Spirit is one person of the triune God. But secondly, this is the indwelling presence of God. The indwelling presence of God. See, we have to be careful to recognize, you guys, that the truth of the Holy Spirit is that we have God's presence with us. That's what the Holy Spirit is about. In fact, if we don't recognize that the Holy Spirit is the person of God in the Holy Spirit, that if we don't recognize that the Holy Spirit is God himself, distinct person that we can interact with who in fact lives in believers, if we don't recognize that, then we miss all of what the spiritual journey is about. We talk about the spiritual journey. We talk about being spiritual people. We talk about being spiritually hungry and spiritually thirsty, but we don't, I don't want you to misunderstand this. What does it mean when we say that we are spiritual people? Yes, we have a human spirit. Yes, we, that means we have a soul and we have a, an essence uh, that's eternal in us because we're created by God. But to say that we're spiritual, or to say that we have a spirit, or to say that we're on a spiritual journey, friends, is nothing about just sort of the ethereal that's opposite of the, um, the, the, the physical. Or it's about, you know, there's some stuff that can't be explained, so it's spiritual. Or there's, you know, there's something sort of beyond emotion, physical, intellectual with me, and so I'm going to call that the spiritual. Friends, the spiritual journey is about in engaging with God himself, the person of the Holy Spirit. That's what makes it the spiritual journey. So sometimes when you're dialoguing with somebody, you may be using the same terms, but we're having different conversations. Because to talk about being a spiritual person is not like, oh, that, be, that means that you believe in something more than the physical. When we talk about the spiritual journey, when we talk about the spirit, when we talk about being spiritually hungry, it is for God himself and the person of the Holy Spirit who comes to indwell believers. It is very concrete in that sense. While you can't see the Spirit the way you could see Jesus as a man, the way you could picture a father in your head as a metaphor, it is still very concrete. We're talking about the actual presence of God. That's what our spiritual journey is about. Not being more than physical. Our spiritual journey is about engaging with the Holy Spirit of God, the person of God. In fact, I, I'm going to go so far as to say, I'm not sure, I don't know, I mean, this might be heresy, so, you know, off the internet because I'm going to get fired, but I don't know, it's a good, this is something good to wrestle with. I, I'm not sure that if we do not engage with the Holy Spirit of God, this person of the three-person God, if we don't engage with the Holy Spirit, I'm not sure we ever encounter the presence of God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the presence of God among us that's how significant this is. Holy Spirit is God himself among us. Now, I'm going to put up a verse, uh, I mean, a slide here, and I want you note takers to write down all the references. Last hour, I tried to read them all, and uh, it, it squished them all together, and it wasn't all that helpful. I'm going to walk you through the story of the Holy Spirit. And I needed to do this because, man, it is like talking, I mean, studying the Holy Spirit, it is like throwing, you could throw a dart at the Uh, at at the Bible and you'll learn something about the Holy Spirit. I mean, it is all over. So it was a crazy long week in terms of trying to figure out what to tell you, what not to tell you, how to lead you through this. But here's just sort of a a story. It's not really a timeline, but it is a, I like how somebody just took a picture of the slide. That was brilliant. Good job. This is the story of the Holy Spirit so that you can understand how the Holy Spirit has and does engage with people, with us. And I'm going to start by that first verse, is Genesis 1 2. You guys know the beginning of Genesis, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And does anybody know the next phrase? And the Spirit of God, what? Hovered over the waters. It's interesting. It's right in the first paragraph of the scriptures that the Spirit of God was present pre eternally in creation. And the Spirit was there, right? Well, what I want you to notice is that is not a bad metaphor for how the Spirit of God functioned in the Old Testament prior to him becoming the indwelling Spirit of the believers in Christ, which we're going to get to. The Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, and you might just from your experience know from reading that it kind of seems like it was a little bit different in the Old Testament. Holy Spirit was a little little different uh, in the Old Testament than I see in the New Testament. It might be fair to say this. The Holy Spirit in the Old Testament came upon people. Let me parenthetically, even even uses the phrase in, in some people, but mostly kind of upon people. The Holy Spirit came upon people or in some people, certain people at certain times for certain reasons, but largely the presence of God didn't indwell his people. That was something that was promised later in the salvation that came through Jesus. Does that make sense? The Holy Spirit in the Old Testament came upon certain people at certain times for certain reasons, present, doing the same things the Holy Spirit can do now, the very presence of God, but didn't indwell people the way that he does now. That became started to become clear and be promised later on. The Ezekiel passage is the, is the uh, God speaking through the prophet. This is what God says. He's, he's talking about that day when salvation's going to come to his people. And he says, I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going to put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I'll put my spirit in you to move you to be obedient to me, to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. I'm going to put my spirit in you. It was beginning to be prophesied there in the prophets that one day the spirit would live inside people. Jesus, when he was here, began to teach, oh, and that's coming. This Luke passage is Jesus after his resurrection, before his ascension. It was 40 days. He showed himself to his disciples and believers, and he was talking to them and teaching them. It says that he opened his, the, the scriptures to them and opened their, their minds to understand what the Messiah was going to come and suffer for three days. Jesus is like, that's me. You're seeing it. You're getting it right now. That's what's happening right now. And then he says, and I'm going to send you what my father has promised. So stay in this city until you've been clothed with power from on high. This Holy Spirit's going to come. It's going to be a spirit, my spirit, this power of God within you. Luke, who wrote that, kind of expanded that teaching. Uh, he wrote Luke and he wrote the book of Acts. He expanded that teaching by telling this uh, story again of Jesus um, uh, dialoguing with his disciples in, in, in Acts chapter 1. And Jesus said, Listen, you wait for the gift my father promised. John baptized you with water. I'm going to baptize you in a few days with the Holy Spirit. It is coming. The Holy Spirit, the presence of God is coming. And of course, the Holy Spirit did come in the book of Acts in Acts chapter 2. At Pentecost, all the believers were together, and the Holy Spirit came and filled all the believers. The Holy Spirit came and filled all of the believers. The presence of God, one of the persons of the Godhead, God himself in the person of the Holy Spirit came and filled his believers Just let that sink in for a minute. Believers get filled with God. Now, I know that's a concept most of you are familiar with. Can you get your head around it for a second? That's what we're dealing with here. And Peter went on the end of that chapter to preach to other people, and he said, listen, everyone, this thing you've seen happen right here, it can happen to you. Repent. That means turn, turn away from the way you're living without God. Turn toward God repent and believe in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is how you get the Holy Spirit. This is how the Holy Spirit comes into you, that you turn away from living without God and you turn toward God and receive the forgiveness that Jesus offers and you receive the gift of God's presence in you in the Holy Spirit. Okay, just one amen would be fine for that. Just like, that's awesome. It's really clear, though. You see how clear this is? So you see how the Spirit was co-eternal with the Father and with the Son, visited at times, did some work, but the prophets were saying, one day this presence of God will be in you, Jesus said. It is around the corner and an acts. It landed on them. And Peter said, now this is available for everybody. The end of his sermon was, this promise is for you and your children and those who are near and those who are far away. You believe in the name of Jesus. The Holy Spirit comes in you. That's the Holy, so God is now present with us. And Paul goes on to talk about how God anointed us, that's the picture of the Holy Spirit. God anointed us, he set his seal of ownership on us by putting his spirit in our hearts. That, that's Second Corinthians passage, and there's tons of passages like that. God put his spirit in us. That's his seal of ownership, he is in us. And then in John, you want to read 14, 15, 16, those three chapters of John, there's all kinds of stuff in there about this spirit who he called the spirit of truth. He's going to guide you into now all truth. So the spirit is not only in you, but now he's guiding you. See the picture of how it has revealed itself? Oh, one more. Uh, John 7. John 7 was where Jesus said he stood at this uh, festival and he said in in a loud voice, and if anybody's thirsty, let them come to me. Uh, if is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within him. And then John writes, by this he meant the Holy Spirit, who up to that time had not yet been given. So when Jesus was talking about the Spirit coming, he goes, this Spirit, rivers of living water will flow within him, come from the inside out. That's the Holy Spirit in our lives. Isn't that great news? Isn't that incredible? This is God's presence. With, now, now you're just teasing me. That's God's presence with us. That's what we have as believers in the Holy Spirit. That's what the Holy Spirit is. He, is. he is one of the triune God. He is the indwelling presence, very real presence of God. Without him, we don't have the presence of God in our lives. So what does the Holy Spirit do? What does the Holy Spirit do? That's going to be a lot of the topics on our uh, sermon series that we have coming up over the next six or seven weeks, but what the Holy Spirit does um, uh, is kind of hard to encapsulate, but I'm going to give you a few words. First, look at this verse from John chapter 14, or what did I do, 16? Yeah, chapter 14, verse 16. Again, read John 14, 15, 16 if you want sort of this primer on on who is the Holy Spirit. This is Jesus' voice. Jesus speaking, he said, I'm going to ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. I'm going to give you, uh, I'm going to ask, he goes, I will ask the Father, he's going to give you an advocate. Or you might, your Bible might say a counselor or your Bible might say a comforter, right? It's a Greek word called, called parakletos or the paraclete. I'm going to ask the Father, he's going to give you the paraclete who's going to help you and be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth. Jesus says, the world doesn't know him. The world can't know him, but you do. You know him because he's going to be in you and he's going to be with you. That's how you know him. Did I misquote that? You know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I won't leave you as orphans. I'm going to come to you. I'm going to come to you. He may have meant I'm going to come to you again one day. But I think what he's meaning in this context is he goes, I'm coming to you in the Holy Spirit. I'm going to be present by the person of the Holy Spirit. God will be with you by the Holy Spirit. The world doesn't know him, but you do. That's incredible. You have God within you. So what does the Holy Spirit do? You can see a few things in there. One, he is our help. The text, that text said that he, I'm going to give you an advocate. I'm going to give you a counselor. I'm going to give you one to, a helper to come alongside you. He is our help. Paracletos is not an easy word to translate. Some have argued that we should probably just start an English word called the paraclete to sort of give it a sense of what it really is because it doesn't, there's no word that really translates well. Helper is probably a good one. It literally means someone called alongside to aid someone to come walk with on the journey, someone to escort so that what gets done gets done, whether that's a legal battle, whether that's on their way to school so they get what they need, whether that's a protection thing. There's one that comes along with to aid them. The Holy Spirit is our helper, our aid, one who comes alongside to comfort, to be an advocate, to defend. It's help, it's powerful help. Friends, how could we be left alone on this spiritual journey with our spiritual battle, with the way that the world's stacked up, with the way that our flesh conspires against us? How could we do this journey without the paraclete who comes alongside to bring his power to help us? That's what the Holy Spirit does. Without the Holy Spirit, we are cooked. We couldn't do this. The Holy Spirit comes along and this whole spiritual journey is like that. So similarly then, we are, there's, there's power, there's gifts, there's transformation. That all happens by the Holy Spirit. And the scripture, that, that text in John also said that he is our guide. He's one who comes alongside to guide us. He's going to guide us into all truth. He's going to guide us into life. He's going to teach us what's true. He's going to lead us where he needs us. It's about him leading and being Lord of our life. It's life as it was designed to be. And that's the third one, that he is our life. He brings life. The scripture says over and over again, the spirit brings life. Law brings death. Separation from God brings death. The spirit brings life. In fact, we're not born again unless the spirit does the birthing. We're born by the spirit, John chapter 3. And then he brings life as it was designed to be, as it was supposed to be. He brings life, hope, joy, in fact, all the fruit of the Spirit. Everything we see as life at its fullest is from the Holy Spirit. What's the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All of that that you're terrible at, by the way, God brings it by the Holy Spirit. He brings life, and that includes healing and transformation. He allows us to forgive people. This is all stuff we couldn't do, but he comes and brings help and guidance and life. The summary of this, friends, is that life is found in God. It's because of the work that Jesus did on the cross that we could engage then in a relationship that is brought to us by the presence of the Holy Spirit in us. And life is found. Life as we long for it to be. Help as we long to have. Fruit, change, transformation, healing, all of our longings are found in what the Holy Spirit brings to us. It is what we're thirsty for. It's the life that we long for. It is the Holy Spirit in us and what He does. He stands. How many times have I stood on the edge of this platform? my toes hanging over the edge and said to you, he's the end of your searching. He's everything that you need. Our guide, our help, and our life is God, and it comes by his presence in the Holy Spirit. That's what we long for. That's what we're thirsty for. That's what we're hungry for, the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. This is the thing that you feel sometimes. This is the thing that happens to you in church sometimes. This is the thing that we joke about, that we hear people tell us dozens and dozens of times. We've heard this. I heard it last week man, something's happened to me when I'm in that room. Like, I don't really know what's going on, but I'm coming and I'm singing the songs and I'm hearing the word and I'm reading it and something's happening to me. You know what's happening, friends, is the very presence of God is coming in and beginning to heal and guide and lead and change and woo and forgive. You with me? It's the presence of God. It's what we're hungry for. Even before people are like, yeah, I can't do the Jesus thing, but I come and cry at church. I love this church. I can't do the Jesus thing. God, the Holy Spirit is going to be magnifying Jesus more and more in your life if that's who you are, but that's God at work. So when somebody's like, I'm sorry, I can't stop crying. I don't really know what's happening. I go, I know what's happening. The Holy Spirit of God is coming and wooing and touching and changing and calling this is the very presence of God in us. It's what we're all longing for. And when you dream of a life that's full of character and integrity and a destiny that has a, has a legacy in it, and it's full of love and sacrifice and beauty, it's all because the Holy Spirit will come and help you and guide you and give you that life. That's what God does. It's what we're longing for. So let me close with this picture and then this invitation. In light of that longing. There's this passage it's really kind of a weird passage in Ezekiel 47 just write down Ezekiel 47 and go read it later. It's in Ezekiel 47 and it's the prophet Ezekiel is swept up into this vision and this man is showing him around the temple of God. The temple of God is what? God's presence where God lives. The temple didn't exist at the time. It had been destroyed. It had not been rebuilt. But he was being shown around a vision of the temple. So it was a supernatural temple. And it was all about the presence of God. And as he's being shown around, he's taken to the altar and he realizes that water is flowing out from underneath the altar, out to the edges of the room and out through the doorways and then out onto the temple mountain and then down further into the valleys that water is coming everywhere. Water, friends, becomes this image of not only the presence of God but the provision of God of life the wall of life the water of living water welling up within us right it's this picture of god's provision And he's being showed this and he says we went around and then water was coming out of the south side and then water was coming out of the east side and and he goes, then water started flowing down and it started flowing into the valley. He goes, we measured off a hundred cubits and we walked through water that was ankle deep. The provision of God was starting to grow, was starting to overflow. And then we measured another hundred cubits and we were up to our knees in water and then another hundred cubits and we were above our waist in the water and then another hundred cubits and there was a river so wide that nobody could swim across it. Like you couldn't survive this. You see the picture of the provision of God, the life of God that was flowing from where? From the altar of God, the place where the sacrifice took place and salvation was accomplished for his people. The water was flowing out and growing and covering and overwhelming everything around it. And as it went down into this river, the fruit trees were growing on the sides where there was sustenance. There was fruit on the trees and its leaves were leaves of healing. There were fish that flourished everywhere. life was coming because of the water that was flowing from the center of the presence of God. The interesting thing about this picture, of course, is representing that God meets all of our needs, that God brings life. He sustains it. He provides it. He creates it. It is the beautiful provision of God himself, that it can only come from God. That's the picture. Well, Jewish people on Feast of Tabernacles used to reenact that idea of water flowing, from the temple the feast of tabernacles was a it was a harvest festival but it was also a memoriam of them wandering in the desert if you remember they were wandering in the desert and God continued to provide for them and bring life and bring healing for them and so this was a whole celebration of God's provision of life And so during that Feast of the the Tabernacles, the the priests would go to the Pool of Siloam and they would get a bucket of water and they would come and they would reenact from the altar. They would pour it out on the ground in an act of worship and get another bucket and pour it out on the ground as an act of worship. People would see the water splatter from the altar and they would think that is our God who brings life. Well friends that verse from John chapter 7 that it's there on that last and greatest day of the festival in one of the years of Jesus' ministry he stood among them and he talked about this he watched that experience happen for the people and it says he stood teachers Then sat humbly, quietly, they sat down. But Jesus stood up because he knew that as he watched these people see these priests pour out the water of God's provision, of God's life, of God's hope, of God's transformation, of God's healing, as they watched people interacted, he knew that this is what the human heart longs for. And he stood up and in a loud voice, he said, are you thirsty for God? Are you thirsty for this? Every year the Jews had been acting that out and said, God, you are the one who brings life. And Jesus stood up and he said, anybody who thirsts, you come to me. You come to me. I am the living water. And if you come to me and drink, then living water will come, listen, from within you. And then the scripture says, by this he meant the Holy Spirit who was gonna come. God is the end of all of our longings and he meets us by his presence in the Holy Spirit. This is who we're going to study because this is who we're going to worship and this is who we're going to invite into our lives and this is who we're going to submit to and this is who we're going to walk with. This Holy Spirit of God. I'm going to leave you with this invitation and it's simply this have you received the gift of the Holy Spirit? Because you read through all of these verses, friends, and it is not this idea that God is everywhere and everything is God. God has taken the one person of the triune God and said, if you turn away from living without me and receive my love and my grace, the free gift of my love and my grace, you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the believers were given the Holy Spirit, and then had the guide and the helper, the paraclete, the one who brings life in them. And so it requires us to say, yes, God. Yes, Jesus, thank you for that forgiveness, for that grace, and for that invitation. I give you my life. I'm done living without you. I want to live with you and you'll receive the Holy Spirit. That's what becoming a Christian means. That's what being born again means. And I'm here to remind you and challenge you this morning, if you've been coming along as a seeker and you've been trying to figure it out, have you stopped and said yes to that gift and received the gift of the Holy Spirit? Even right now, where you're sitting, you're like, dang it, okay, you know what? I think I'm as ready as I'm gonna be. That's you receiving God's presence in your life, and that's great news. Before I let you go, i got to remind those of you who are all smug because you've been here for 30 years. The Scriptures teach that we can put out the Spirit's fire. We can grieve the Holy Spirit of God by not receiving His help and His guiding and His life. And some of us, by the way that we've been living, by our attitudes, by our fear, by our need for control, whatever, have walked in the theology of Christianity but the indwelling presence of God, we have pushed it out as far as we could. And it may not be any surprise to us then that our consciences are a mess, our lives are in shambles, our souls are dead, and fruit of the Spirit is lacking because we push God out. And I want to invite you again, church, as we are on the the eve of this series of the Holy Spirit that even today you can say, Holy Spirit, come. Fill me. If you've said yes to the gift of Jesus Christ, then there's no reason why you can't live by the power, the help, the guidance, the life that the Holy Spirit gives. We even call it spiritual breathing. You confess your sin, and you breathe in all that God has for you and come back into this relationship with God himself through the Holy Spirit in you.